0: Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the law practice advisory podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host Chris Anderson. Here on the Legal Talk Network.
1: Welcome to the Unbillable Hour, the law practice advisory podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you can listen today on Legal Talk Network. I'm your host, Christopher Anderson. I'm a product manager at LexisNexis and also a former practicing attorney in Athens, Georgia, had a full service law firm, as well as a former prosecutor. I've been speaking to attorneys across the country about operating and managing their law firms more like a business so that it serves their needs and allows them to be the attorneys they dreamed they would be. Today's episode of the Unbillable Hour is Eight Things Killing Your Law Firm and How to Stop Them. My guest today is Debbie Foster. Debbie is the managing partner of Affinity's Tampa Bay office. Affinity Consulting Group was founded by a group of legal IT and management consultants with a collective 135 years of legal experience and specializes in strategic technology and management solutions for law firms and legal departments of all sizes. Debbie founded InTouch Legal, which is now a part of Affinity Consulting, in 1998, seeing a need for a consulting company that focused specifically on lawyers and their technology needs. Since then, Affinity has expanded its offerings and helped thousands of law firms implement technology, finance, marketing, and management solutions. Debbie is very active in the Law Practice Management section of the American Bar Association and served as chair of ABA Tech Show in 2010. Debbie is also very active in local and state bar associations, and she regularly speaks on topics relating to technology, management, finance, and marketing of a law firm. With that, let me introduce Debbie and the topic today, which is eight things killing your law firm and how to stop them. Welcome, Debbie.
2: Thanks, Chris. I appreciate you having me on.
1: It's our pleasure. So Debbie, one of the things that you've talked about is that law firms are looking to build a better mousetrap. Why is that?
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. It's very difficult for law firms to put their finger right on the pain points, the things that they're suffering from on a daily basis. They know that they struggle with efficiency. They know they struggle with productivity. They know they're struggling with technology. They know they need to figure out how to do it better, but they're just really not sure where to start. But I haven't met anyone in a really long time that doesn't feel like they've got to start figuring out how to do something better.
1: What is the pain that they're needing to solve? What are you finding when you drill in and and ask them those questions?
2: You know, it's often related to productivity. It's uh, the amount of work that they can do, the number of people that they have, the inefficiencies that they know they have in just things that they do every day like creating documents, finding documents, keeping track of their time. There's so many little things that are part of a lawyer's life every single day that firms are really having a hard time getting their heads around how to do it better.
1: And so you've described something before in, in some of your talks called the law firm revolution, where they need to do more with less. First of all, what is the revolution and why do they need to be able to do more with less?
2: Well, The Law Firm Revolution is something that we created. We actually have a a website, thelawfirmrevolution.com, and it's focused on really getting attorneys to start to dig into how they do business. Much like what you said at the beginning, lawyers really starting to recognize that their practices are a business, that they've got to start thinking about them like a business, and they've got to start running them like a business. And the law firm revolution started when we were exposed years ago to a law firm that was implementing some new methodologies, Lean and Six Sigma, both of which originated in the automotive world and manufacturing very, very commonplace in manufacturing, but not so much in service. And so we started looking into those methodologies and those practices for how to really hone in and focus on improving some of the process in law firms and have had some really great success with it. And we started the Law Firm Revolution as a place for people to learn more about those methodologies.
1: Interesting. I've heard of Lean, I've heard of Six Sigma, and I've even heard of Lean Six Sigma. But what are they and how do they work together?
2: Great question. So Lean is a methodology that focuses on efficiency improving speed and eliminating waste and waste is anything that we're doing that we don't need to be doing anything that we're doing that doesn't add value and we're going to talk a lot more about that part of lean in just a little bit six sigma though focuses on quality and doing things right every time and lean and six sigma is a marriage of those two technologies it's about not just quality and doing things right every time but it's about being efficient, eliminating waste, improving speed and consistency in how you deliver your product.
1: So when you talk about Lean and Six Sigma together, then what are the synergies? Why are they referred to together?
2: Well, using one without the other leaves a big part out, especially when you start talking about a law firm. If you focus just on efficiency and eliminating waste and you don't focus on quality, the law firms don't get what they need to really deliver excellent legal services to their clients. And that's one of the things that the focus of Lean and Six Sigma is all about value. And I think that's really where we try to get our clients to direct their attention is really thinking about the things that are valuable to their client. And value is defined in a lot of different ways. And when we start to talk about some of the technical parts of Lean and Six Sigma, and we talk about focusing on value, the light bulbs go off. The lawyers really start to think about the things that matter to their clients. And I think that's where we really try to drive the focus initially is really understanding value.
1: So from a law firm's perspective, who does define value? Whose value are we concerned about?
2: You know, it's funny because many law firms start out thinking about things that are valuable to them. But value is really about things that are valuable to the client. There's a lot of examples that law firms can point to that they do every single day of tasks that they do that add absolutely no value to the client. A great example of that, and this is something that I regularly deal with, is cover letters on a bill. A law firm will decide that If the billing process isn't painful enough already, let's add one extra level of complication on it, and let's make sure we attach a cover letter to every single bill that we send out that's signed with a pen by the attorney. And when we look at the amount of time that that adds to the process of billing, which is really an administrative task, and we start to talk about why the lawyers feel like they need to add those cover letters to a bill they believe that there's value there, that they are enhancing their relationship with the client by adding a cover letter. When in all actuality, especially for firms that have business clients, the person they have the relationship with never even sees that piece of paper. So there isn't really a whole lot of value added if the accounts payable department is ripping open an envelope (laughs) and throwing away everything except what they need in order to pay the bill. So that's one example. Pre-printed letterhead is another great example. There still are firms who spend a lot of money on watermarked, raised gold, bond paper letterhead. And there's so few things that we send out on letterhead anymore that that's just another waste that the client does not see any value in. Mailings is another great example. So many clients prefer to be communicated with via email. And granted, there are some practice areas where that's just not true. For example, perhaps in estate planning practice where you're dealing with a generation of clients that is not really comfortable communicating 100% via email, that firm may find huge value in putting things in the mail. But many, many practice areas, there's no value to the client putting something in an envelope with a stamp putting it in the mail versus scanning it in and sending it to the client via email. So it's really about understanding what your client sees as value. And it
1: sounds from your description of that, these things have changed. Many of the things that you've just cited were things that clients even might've seen value in 20 years ago, but less so today.
2: No question. And I think that's another big part of Building the better mousetrap and finding the better way is that the law firms are seeing that the business of law is changing. If you've read any of the Richard Susskind books, they're great predictors of what potentially could happen to the practice of law in the future. And even just things like your clients are so much smarter today than they were because so much more information is available to them on the internet today than than 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Everything is different, and that's causing people to stop and say, if everything is different, I can't stay the same way. I've got to figure out how to do this differently as well.
1: So it would seem that that applying these methodologies of Lean and Six Sigma really involves a review of what you're doing and and kind of doing a stop-start-continue analysis.
2: Exactly, and it is not the nature of an industry, we'll call the legal profession an industry for just a moment, although I know that's not always a positive thing, but it is not the nature of this industry to look at everything they do and come up with ways to do it differently. This industry is built on precedent, on what we've done before. And so it's a real challenge to go in and say, we want to question everything that we're doing and we want to question it for value because it kind of takes us into the topic, the the main topic of our presentation if something that you're doing does not add value, it's simply waste. That's it. It's either valuable to the client or you're doing it unnecessarily. And anything that you're doing unnecessarily is waste. And there's no way to eliminate all waste from a law firm. That's not practical. That's like saying I'm never going to eat a brownie again. It doesn't work like that. But it's important that we're always examining our processes and looking for things that we're doing that are unnecessary, things that take more time, and really digging into those eight things that are killing your law firm.
1: And I was just going to say, I think you've come up with a list of eight. What we're going to do is just take a quick break right now, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about those eight wastes that you've identified.
0: You can advertise with us at Legal Talk Network and have your own commercial play in this podcast. Just send us an email at advertising at legaltalknetwork.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. Welcome back. We are going
1: to continue on with the podcast and we're going to talk now about the eight deadly wastes that you've identified that the law firms often face and can really improve their practice by eliminating.
2: You know, one of our favorite quotes about waste is by Peter Drucker. He says, there is nothing so useless as doing efficiently that which should not be done at all. And that's how we start our waste conversations with our clients, is talking about it doesn't matter how efficient you are at doing something that you shouldn't be doing. That's not efficiency. So when we talk about those eight deadly wastes, and, and I'm just going to tell you what they all are, and then we'll talk about each one of them. Defects, overproduction, waiting, non-utilized talent, transportation, inventory, motion, and extra processing. And one of the things that I think is important about uh, listening to me, even as I say all eight of those things, a lot of those words are manufacturing words. And one of the reasons why we are careful about where we use the words lean and six sigma, one of the reasons why we're careful about it is because it does scare some people off. They think lean six sigma. Some people think, I don't even know what that means. They Google it. they They read about car manufacturers and manufacturing plants and people who are making widgets, and they think it just simply doesn't apply to me. So when we go through waste, we talk about value and waste again, because those two things go absolutely hand in hand. And we talk about understanding the definition of value. And that's another part of this that, you know, I can say value, it has to be valuable to the client. But when the lawyer says, "Eh, I don't really get it, I think this might be valuable to the client the questions that we ask them about value, it has to have three parts. Does it change the client's situation? Is the client willing to pay for it? And is it going to be done right the first time? If whatever it is that we're talking about does not meet those three criteria, it changes the client's situation, the client's willing to pay for it, and it's done right the first time, then it's waste. And waste is everywhere in a firm.
1: So bringing that back to your earlier examples, yeah. Does adding a cover letter to the bill change the client's situation? That would seem to be, once you explain it that way, real easy to answer.
2: Right, because the answer is it doesn't give them a discount off of their bill. So it does not change their situation. It does not make their legal situation any worse or better. So it doesn't change their situation. Exactly right.
1: So even if I design a really efficient way to do that, shouldn't be doing it at all
2: exactly right and that's probably a good segue into talking specifically about these defects because when we start to go through them in each one of them in detail and we start to talk about the examples that are related to each what each item that we call waste it really becomes clear that there's way more waste in a law firm than anybody really wants to admit so the first one if we could just start with that one is defects and defects I like to think of defects as mistakes. So it could be the wrong party is listed on a contractor in the style of of a case. It could be data entry errors. It could be that everyone who's typing their time entries in has no regard for punctuation, spelling, grammar, all of those important things. And so we have someone else whose job it is to go in and double-click and clean up all of those time entries so we can get a bill out. Anytime we're creating a document that requires extensive corrections, those are really great examples of defects. Anytime you're looking at a, a draft bill or a pre-bill and you see how much time someone spent on something and you say, oh, I, I'm really going to, I can't charge them 1.5 hours for that. There was a defect in that. At some point somewhere that was not being done efficiently and is causing you to have to write off time that you otherwise could have billed for.
1: And again, I think like you mentioned, we even take comfort sometimes in allowing defect ridden processes, right? The I'll take some brief billing notes and let someone else correct them, That makes that's the way it's always been done.
2: Sure. You know, the next one is overproduction, another one of my favorites, emailing or faxing the same document multiple times. So I'm going to email this to you, I'm going to fax it to you, and I'm going to stick it in the mail for what reason? No good reason. Excessively CCing people on emails and keeping that reply to all chain going. We've all suffered through that. We've all contributed to that problem as well producing unnecessary documents, making too many copies, spending too much time researching something that you know that you should have stopped researching a long time ago. Those are all overproduction issues. They're all places where we're doing more than we need to do.
1: And again, I think that goes. some of that goes back to law school training, right? Where you go to the research, right? There's no such thing as too much research in the way that many of us were trained.
2: Absolutely. The third one is waiting. We do a lot of waiting. We wait at the copy or the scanner. We wait for something to be reviewed. We wait for someone to reply to an email. We wait for clients to provide things. We wait for our technology. Our computer is too slow. And maybe the flip worst side of that is how many people are waiting for us to be able to move on to the next thing. There's a lot of waiting that goes on in a law firm.
1: In fact, I've heard some law firms sort of get what you're talking about, even say that the waiting is not a task, right? You don't wait on anything. You just go and do the next thing. You set a deadline and then you check on it.
2: Absolutely. And you know, the next one is non-utilized talent. Everyone in the firm should be working at their highest and best level. And that is just not always happening. We find that paralegals are spending time filing or copying documents. There's attorneys that are doing clerical work, putting someone with inadequate skills in a position without training and not acknowledging people's contributions to the firm. You know, non-utilized talent is a big reason for staff turnover, and no one has to have a lengthy conversation about how expensive staff turnover is. So this is a a great one to really hone in on and find ways to not not utilize your talent.
1: And I think you mentioned it: attorneys can be themselves some of the worst violators of that by themselves doing things that they really should have other people doing, so that they can concentrate on the more valuable work.
2: No question. The next one is transportation, which is kind of a funny word, but it refers to any unnecessary movement of anything within the firm. One of my favorite examples of this is the centralized scanner. There's one big copy scan fax printer that's sitting in a room that everyone has to use. So anytime I need to scan something, I have to get up from my chair. I have to go to that room. I have to scan it in. I wait. I take it back. I go back to my desk. I file it away. Uh, my good friend Jim Calloway i don't know if you know Jim, but Jim says that having a centralized scanner makes as much sense as having a centralized waste basket. <laughs> there is no reason that every person who produces in a law firm shouldn't have a desktop scanner that does not take up a lot of space, that is a you know single push button, push the button, and the paper gets scanned in it 's a great, great way to really. Stop spending so much time with people walking around the office. One other great example of this is updating client records in multiple systems. I get a new phone number for someone, and because I don't have a centralized practice management system, that means that that phone number has to be updated in everyone's Outlook contact list or, God forbid, those Rolodexes that are still sitting on people's desks. And frankly, you and I know what happens. It doesn't get updated anywhere because that's just too hard. So it gets updated in one place and then we waste all kinds of other time when other people need to know what that new information is and they just don't have an easy way to get to it.
1: Right. And of course, every time you do update in multiple locations, you introduce your first problem, defects.
2: Absolutely. No doubt. The next one is inventory. Inventory. Inventory is an interesting word to use in a law firm, but it's all about the piles of files that are on the desk and the chair and on the floor and causing bottlenecks and we can't find things, which leads to the transportation problem. Bottlenecks, too much work in process, not closing out files when you're done. So I'm looking at a list of 250 files when we actually only have 40 active files. Keeping too many copies of documents. Every once in a while, I go through a paper file at a firm and I will flip through, you know, here's a document, it's three pages, then there's something else. And then that same exact document is there again, three more pages. Making the file fatter, I've got to store the file fatter. Storage is money, it's rent, it's space. Even things like having hundreds or thousands of emails in your inbox or using outdated equipment or computers, all of those things speak to the inventory problem in a law firm.
1: And I think anybody of us who've walked into a law firm have experienced that, that you know, one or more attorneys who have their offices just crammed full of a lot of stuff, and you know they're not working on all of that.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Now, And you do respect when you say, hey, do you know where the so-and-so file is, that a lot of them can kind of look bird's eye around the room and say, yeah, it's in that pile right over there on the left, and they can just pull it right out, and they know where it is. But that doesn't make it any better or any easier for other people to find it. So the next one, the last two, the last second to last one is motion. And we always talk about a quote in there. It's not enough to be busy. The answer busy. The question is, what are we busy about? We spend a lot of time looking for things, searching for files, searching for documents. Our offices are designed so poorly. And the thing that we need the most is the furthest away from us. And the things that we never, ever need are closest to us. Carrying files from one office to another, having the file being the living file. In other words, I cannot work on it unless this file is in front of me. Those things are big motion problems. Great, great way to eliminate the motion waste is to be more efficient from a technology perspective, to make sure that your workspace is conducive for you getting work done.
1: It would sound at first like it's the same as transportation, but the way you explain it's really very different.
2: Yeah, it definitely is. So the last one is extra processing. And, you know, extra processing, there's some great examples like notebooks or folders. You might buy the $8 notebook that you're going to put all of the trial documents in, and it's going to be this nice handy-dandy notebook that is way more expensive than what you actually need to take with you. It is not adding value to anyone else. It's causing you to make multiple copies of a document. One of the other extra processing issues is firms that allow their users to decide how they want to do things. For example, there are plenty of firms that are still storing documents by lawyer, so I have to go open up a document, I open it in Bob's folder, I make my edits and I change it, changes, and then I save it to my folder and now I have two documents. I have one here that's not the most recent one, one in my folder that is the most recent one and I'm doing extra work to get something done or maybe I'm using multiple software programs that do the same thing because I haven't really made a decision on my technology and that's causing me to have to do the same exact thing multiple times. So extra processing is another item that really does have some excellent technology solutions that go along with it. And that, that's really the eight waste. You know, maybe the next thing we want to talk about is, well, what do we do about that?
1: I think you've clearly stated problems, I think, that anybody who's been in an active or operating law firm can identify with. And I think we all hide out a little bit in some of these things. Certainly the extra processing, it's something we're comfortable with, but indeed doesn't seem to add a lot of value. So what do we do about all this?
2: I think that my favorite analogy example here is the Rubik's Cube. My son is 19, and he has this new fascination with the Rubik's Cube, and what he says about the Rubik's Cube is, Mom, if you try to solve the Rubik's Cube by solving one side, you'll never solve it. And so the message there really is that we can't just pick one of these things and try and fix it. This is about a bigger picture solution. This is about talking about how to make your law firm a better place. And that's not to say that it's necessarily bad right now, but it starts off with really looking in the mirror and saying, who are we? Who do we want to be? Where do we want to go? How are we going to get there and by when and what is our plan for moving forward? And sometimes that requires people to step away from the hustle and bustle of life. And as uh, one of my friends says so succinctly, get out to the woods and just stop and think about what am I trying to accomplish here? Who do I want this firm to be? What do I want it to look like? And then I think you need to stop and ask yourself, what do you actually do here? What practice areas are your focus points? Do you have data? Do you have an understanding of where you've made money in the past? Do you know where you make the least amount of money? How about that Pareto principle, the 80-20 rule, that 80% of our business comes from 20% of our clients? How about we really focus on the 20% we try to get some more clients like that, and what practice areas are those? So we really can hone in on what do we do.
1: And and why, I guess, the data that you're talking about is something that is available, but we don't pay a whole lot of attention to.
2: Absolutely. And the why is the next step. And it's funny, the why exercise or the why method is one of the Lean Six Sigma methodologies that we use all the time. It typically takes five whys to get to the root cause of any issue. And if we solve symptoms and not causes, we don't ever stop having problems. So that would be an exercise in why do you do it that way? And the answer is, well, because John told me that that's the way I need to do it. We say, okay, let's go talk to John. Hey, John, why are we doing it this way? And we ask why until we get down to what oftentimes, frankly, the answer is, we've just always done it that way. And that's why we do it. So really getting yourself asking the right questions and then digging into how do you do it and mapping out your process not allowing anyone in the room to say that's the way we've always done it. If we were a brand-new law firm and this is what we were going to do, let's try to forget everything we know, and we acknowledge that that is really, really hard, but let's talk about the right way to do this. And unfortunately, a lot of times separating our people and our process problems from our technology problems is really difficult because the way we do things is driven by the tools that we're using. So well we would automate that, but we don't actually know how to automate documents. Okay, then let's put that on our goals list. Let's put it on our goals list that what we really want to do is figure out how to integrate some automation. Let's talk about being innovative and automating some of our documents and then what is the right way to do it. And literally mapping it out, whether it be new client intake or how we prepare an estate planning document or how we bill our clients. Putting a piece of paper, tape it together across the middle of the conference room table, start new client calls and end, you know, we have a retainer in our bank account. What are the all of the things that we need to do in between those and really start digging in and figuring out how you're going to do what you have just decided that you want to do.
1: So basically decide what it is you want to do and then design it the way you would design it without any restrictions about the how. Just just so how should this work and then figure out what technologies or whatever else is out there to help make it work that way?
2: Exactly right. And then you have to look and see if you have the right people to do it. You know, a lot of the problems that we see in law firms are people related. They're people issues that for whatever reason, lawyers just don't want to deal with their people issues. It's that kind of conflict is not a comfortable kind of conflict. And so making sure that you have the right people in the right seat, the, a good to great is all about the seats on the bus and is everybody on, in the right seat and are they on the right bus? And it's really important that we examine the people that we have and that we get people on board to step outside of their comfort zones because nobody likes change. And that's the, the next part of the process, is if we have the right people, can those people follow the right process? Can we map out how we want to do things? And then do we have the right people who are sitting in the right seats that are going to help us do that and be working with us and not against us in favor of what we've always done? And that is much more difficult than it sounds.
1: And I imagine in getting that done, that investing in those people with good training as the right way of doing things and having good policies and procedures is also uh, key to their success.
2: The key to their success, and it really goes into the next step, which is, do you have the technology to do it efficiently? You know, technology costs money. That's just, that's just life. It costs money. You have to pay for it. It's never going to stop costing you money. But if technology makes your job easier, if it helps you to deliver better services to your clients, if it helps you reducing the number of errors, if it helps you share information, it's worth every single penny. And if it doesn't do that, there's two issues, potentially. Number one, you picked the wrong product. Or more likely, number two, you didn't invest in the training on the product and getting it set up the way that you need it. You know, it is a classic problem that we see that law firms believe that people should just sit down at a computer and know how to use the software that's there. And people don't just wake up in the morning and they know how to use software. They need training. They need something that gives them a head start. I tell people all the time, you want to buy the software and you don't want to get training? Save your money. Don't buy it. It is not going to help you if you are not going to learn how to use it and not learn how to use it by someone who really understands that the decision that you make today could affect you in 30 days or six months or a year or affect the kind of reports that you want to get out of that technology. It is essential to get the right technology and the right training.
1: So Debbie, we know what the deadly wastes are and you've given us great tips on learning about what you want to be good at and what to focus on how to design the processes from scratch to throw off bad habits and and do things with less waste, getting the right people, getting the right technology, and very importantly, getting them trained. So if we do all this, how do we know when we're done and we've achieved law firm nirvana?
2: That might be the bad news at the end of the story is that you're not ever done. We're never done because it's a moving target. It's always changing. It's lather, rinse, repeat. It's do it again. It's get to the end of a process that you feel like you have made really solid and sound, and then set a time to revisit that and make sure that it's still solid and sound. That's actually one of the other methodologies from Lean Six Sigma is about continuous improvement. It's a wheel that talks about assessing and reassessing a problem, planning and designing the solution, implementing the solution, evaluating the results, and then starting over again. Always getting better, always making a difference, and never being satisfied with the status quo. If you're always striving to do better than you're doing now, you really do stand out from the pack. And one of the things that I like to talk to our clients about is this is a marketing opportunity. The business of law has changed. You digging in to better processes, better systems, innovation is something you should be telling your clients about. We, as consumers of legal services, want to know that our lawyers are digging deep. They're digging in. They're finding better ways to provide those quality legal services. That's something that you shouldn't keep a secret. You should talk about how you're always looking for the better way. You should be asking your clients for feedback on how you could have done better for them. What's one thing we could have done differently at the end of a case? and hear them out, and always look to make your business better than it is today.
1: Fantastic. Thank you, Debbie. We have covered so much in this very brief podcast, a lot of great material. If people wanted to know more, is there a way that they can contact you and learn more about these concepts of how to reduce waste, how to do things right the first time, and how to grow their practice better?
2: Sure. The Law Firm Revolution is a website that's very specifically talking about these kinds of things, Lean and Six Sigma for law firms. We also have a very active LinkedIn group. If you search for the Law Firm Revolution on LinkedIn, you can join our LinkedIn group. My email address is d F-O-S-T-E-R, at affinityconsulting.com. That's also our website, affinityconsulting.com. I-, I would love to hear from you. There are also a ton of resources available on Lean Six Sigma for service. There's a book called Lean Six Sigma for Service. There's an excellent book called A Factory of One, which is all about personal productivity at using lean and six sigma. There's actually a course on solo practice university that talks a lot about lean and six sigma. There's really some great resources coming out. This is something that is starting to be embraced by not just law firms, but the service industry in general.
1: Fantastic. Well, thank you very much. And that wraps up this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Remember that you can subscribe to all the editions of this podcast at LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope to see you again soon.
0: The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by Legal Talk Network its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Join us again for the next edition, right here with Legal Talk Network.